Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast right here on arsblog.oleole.com. I hope we find you well. I hope as the week has progressed that you've managed to not so much get over the Wigan game, but forget about it a bit. It's sort of not out of sight and not quite out of mind. Haven't put it behind you. It's sort of lurking there to the right-hand side. Unfortunately, we are going to have to revisit that game because, well, there really is nothing else to talk about, is there? It's the most remarkable collapse I think I've ever seen from an Arsenal team and one of the most pitiful performances I think I've seen from an Arsenal team that still had a chance of winning the league title. Regardless of how slim it was, it looked like they'd given up. And we'll come to that game in a few moments' time with us uh, to talk about it. Uh, will be Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. As well as that, George has got a tale of the unexpected. Sylvester is here. We'll have some scientific insight into why Lucas Fabianski keeps making mistakes, and we'll be looking ahead to the Manchester City game uh, and all that uh, goes along with that. So, uh, last Sunday, it was a very pleasant morning. It really was. It was nice and sunny. I had to give Mrs. Bloggs a lift somewhere, and I did so quite cheerily because you could go out of the house for the first time, I think, without having to wear a coat. It was a nice warm morning. Did that, dropped Mrs. Bloggs off, came home, bought the Sunday papers, sitting there reading the papers, bit of breakfast, some coffee, fantastic. Arsenal game on at half one. I've got a game of five aside coming up in the evening. The day is planned out to perfection. And you think, when Arsenal go to Wigan, and it's not underestimating Wigan in any way, when I, when I say they're shit, they are just shit. Let's face it. They're really not very good. Um, and you're thinking this is an Arsenal team that has just lost to Barcelona in the Champions League, and they've lost to Spurs for the first time in 11 years. And you're you're looking at this uh, group of players and you're thinking, come on, get out there and be really fired up and really go for this game because surely those defeats have hurt you. Surely the defeat against Barcelona, uh, as expected as it was, was painful. An exit from the Champions League in Europe was painful because it was slightly humiliating in, in a way. It's one thing to lose to Barcelona, but to get spanked 4-1, uh, just not very nice at all. And then Spurs... You lose at their ground and you think, well, you know, title's probably over. And then the weekend comes around and Spurs beat Chelsea. Even though Manchester United have snuck a late win against Man City, you're thinking, well, you know, anything could happen. Let's face it, Chelsea aren't top of their game. And, you know, who knows? Who, just who knows? So Arsenal needs three points and you're looking for a reaction and, and for a team to really go for it. And they got themselves 2-0 up. And it was fairly dull stuff to get to up, let's face it. And then they stopped. 
They thought the game was won. I think Arsene Wenger thought the game was won. Wigan were no threat at all. And then they got a goal. And an easily preventable goal. We've been through this on the blog. A goal that could easily have been stopped. And all of a sudden we're rocking. Absolutely rocking. Because we're shitting ourselves. Because we know this is a game that not only should we be winning, we should be winning it by more goals. Because if we really wanted to, if we'd really wanted to win that game by more goals, we could have. We could have brought on Robin Van Persie with 20, 25 minutes to go. Wigan would have had to come forward. They were fighting for their lives. They had to try and get something for the game. They might as well have been beaten 4-0 or 5-0. It's 2-0. Instead, we decided to have what we, or hold what we have. And it all went wrong. And then you've got a goalkeeper who every time he plays, makes a huge cock-up. And I thought, well, you know, he's probably done all right, really, Fabianski, a bit wobbly, but that's what you expect from a crap goalkeeper. But he's done all right, and maybe this will be good for him. Maybe we get a few quid for him in the summer. And then the corner came in, and he, you know, he just dropped it like an asshole. Like an amateur goalkeeper. And even your bog-standard amateur Sunday League goalkeeper doesn't make a mistake like that very often. I mean, truly terrible. So it's 2-2, and you're thinking, oh, Christ. And then Arsene Wenger reacted and sent on Robin Van Persie with just injury time to go, and then Unzogbia told you people with apostrophes in their name were no good. I don't mean no good, because obviously his goal was quite good. I don't mean no just no good characters. No good can come of them. See what I mean? He was arrested during the week for being too stupid to do his driving theory test. This is the kind of thing you're dealing with with apostrophed people. So apostrophe fucking Charlie pops up and whacks one in to make it 3-2. And Arsenal have lost the game, having been 2-0 up in the 80th minute against Wigan. And it was absolutely spineless. Truly, truly awful. One of the worst defeats under Arsene Wenger that I can ever remember. A team that could have stayed in the title hunt, who would be going into this weekend's game against Man City knowing that they had to win to stay in the title hunt and hoping that something might happen, surrendered, gave in, capitulated. A calamitous collapse. It was awful. Really, truly awful. Not good enough, that kind of performance. And, you know... I've been very positive about the team all season, and I thought they've shown tremendous character at times to come back into games and to win games and uh, to rescue games in the last minute and win games in the last minute, and you give them all the credit in the world that they deserve when they play like that. But when they play like they did against Wigan, I don't think it's uh, too unfair to be critical uh, of the way they play, the performance and everything else that goes with it. Anyway, to talk a little bit more about that, uh, I welcome along Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. Hello there. Hello there. Let's talk about Wigan, difficult as it might be. You were one of the people, or one of the few people, I think, left who thought we might still win the title after the Spurs game. I was of the opinion that it was definitely over. Um, but we saw the result, the Chelsea result, and even though Manchester United won, it left things open for a miracle to happen. Uh, but that was an Arsenal performance on Sunday that didn't uh, necessarily reflect the chance that we might have had. They didn't look like a team that believed they could uh, stay in the title race. They didn't look like a team that believed they had anything to play for. Um, What do you put that down to? 
I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I have to take issue with your, your use of the word miracle. I, I just don't think there was a miracle that we were hoping for. I thought if we'd beaten Wigan, you know, I, I always thought that Chelsea would find it hard at Tottenham and I thought United would find it hard at City. And basically, the, for me, the Tottenham result was only a problem for us if Chelsea went and bettered it. And I, I never... Well, they might have done, but I, I was never that convinced. So I really didn't think we had a miracle because we've, we've been excellent this season. We've been excellent against the smaller sides. We've been very efficient, concentrated a lot, really barely dropped any points. I mean, people go on about Sunderland and West Ham and Burnley, but we're bound to drop the odd point here or there. And I thought, you know, I thought, well, we can beat Wigan. Um, I thought Chelsea, I think Chelsea and Man U are, are, are shambles in, in some ways. You know, they, there's a defeat for them lurking around every corner. It seems. As soon as Chelsea win a couple of tough games, they go and lose one. Um, and so I just didn't think it was a miracle. But I can understand people like yourself and other fans not thinking we had a chance. And, you know, that's fine. But I, I imagine that you would have still hoped that Arsene Wenger would have been sitting down with his players and saying to them, you know, you've got an amazing chance because all you need, you know, it's, it's a three games, basically. And all you need is a you know, them to stop it slightly, which they've been doing all season, and suddenly, suddenly it's open for us. And mm. you know, particularly with playing Man City before Chelsea play Stoke, we could have been level. We could have been level on points with them. You know, they would have had a game in hand, but you know, if, if they they would have also had to play Liverpool away. I thought we had a phenomenal chance, and I really can't understand our manager. And that's what I worry about. I really worry that he seems to have forgotten how to win. That he looks great opportunities in the face now and, and, and loses. But it reminded me of the FA Cup semi-final last year. I mean, fancy just saying after the Tottenham game, we're out of it. I mean, yeah. to me, of course we weren't. And I can't believe he thought we were. And I, I think it stems from him. And I don't, I know that he can produce great teams who can do great things. But I'm, I worry genuinely now whether he has forgotten how to win. And I, and I think that's a, a, a genuine fear we now have. Uh, yeah, because we could talk all day about the performances or lack of performances by certain players, and I think that's been documented and catalogued on on blogs uh, far and wide for the last week. But ultimately, the uh, the book stops with the manager, and the players are motivated and sent out there to do a job by the manager. And if he can't seem to get them up for a game like this, particularly, I can understand them feeling down and feeling that they've blown it after the Spurs game. But after seeing the Chelsea result, there really was no excuse for an Arsenal team um, that got themselves 2-0 up, not to go on and win the game and really put Wigan to the sword and maybe get a few goals back. They coasted through it, and, and I think Arsene's substitutions, when he was making them, Really, you know, it was the 78th minute. He talked about problems that we were having uh, keeping possession, but that was the 78th minute. He obviously wasn't that concerned. He felt that we could go on and, and, and win that game fairly easily. Um, and, and perhaps it's his uh, attitude or that attitude that was uh, reflected on the pitch. I think, I think so entirely. There just seems to be this funny attitude. You know, when Walcott scored, it was like, you know, it was almost like a pre-season friendly or something. You know, a few fans went towards him. When Sylvester scored, there was all a bit of a laugh. And, and you know, and this is a man, this manager, who, who basically, you know, one of his Ten Commandments is thou shalt make substitutions in the 66th minute, come what may. And, and you know, he's sitting there, he's got a boy on the bench who is fit, healthy, of good age, you know, it really would be fresh legs. I mean, and a bit more defensive-minded than Rizitsky as well. And you're just thinking, well, Rizitsky's really struggling. Just, you know, he's been playing, he's played two games in the week. Just just do that. And then, but we didn't get any of that. And he, he was kind of, I was just sitting there watching this and going, 
you know, it's a good thing Wigan are utterly hopeless because otherwise we'd have a real fight on here. And of course, they thought, you know, because they were just shooting and shooting pretty terribly, frankly. But but then then they stopped doing that, and suddenly we capitulated. And I, it was one of the most astonishing things I've I've ever seen, and hugely disappointing because I was genuinely not convinced we'd win the title. But I actually, I thought we might well do because I thought it would be a story of, you know, it wouldn't be one of the great title-winning sides like you remember winning 13 in a row in 2002 mm. and the Invincibles, but life isn't always like that. And I thought it'd be a, a magnificent story of backs against the wall. We've had terrible injuries, not all of them, our four broken legs or three broken legs and a broken metatarsal is not the physio's fault. Um, and I just thought, I just thought that there was a magnificent, a wonderful story there to be written. And, um, and it seems as soon as Fenger predicted the winners would finish with 85 points, and it seemed as soon as he realised we couldn't get 85 points, he gave up. Um, which I, I find I find baffling, and I don't know what to say. Yeah, it, it is a difficult one to get your head around because you know when the first Wigan goal went in, you're you're thinking, oh, I know what's going to happen here. I mean, I know it's um, it's a football fan's lot to be sort of fatalistic that you look for the worst case scenario, and then you say afterwards, well, I knew that was going to happen, and often it doesn't. But when that first Wigan goal went in, you knew exactly what was going to happen that they were at least going to score another goal. And is it um, a sign of a, a mental weakness um, in this Arsenal side? I don't, I don't even know that's the case that's because this season I think our, our attitude's been excellent on the whole. I've, I've been impressed, you know, with our resilience. And so many times, you know, we've had all these attackers out and we've dug out victories in the last minute, and and that was what made me so confident. I mean, you looked at it and you you thought, you know, we've been incredibly consistent. We've had a couple of nightmares against the big teams, but I've seen far worse Arsenal teams beat far better Man U and Chelsea sides. Um, and and so actually, I, I just thought, well, yeah, it seems like a, a good bunch of lads who really got their heads together and all of that. And 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 Arsenal seems to be making the right calls with the right subs. This is up until kind of the Tottenham thing. And you know, we, okay, we lost at Tottenham, but you know, they, I didn't think it was the end of the world. They were massively up for it. They haven't beaten us in so long, and yeah, it's just mm. it's baffling. And you wonder, you just, I just worry that he's forgotten how to win. Um, and and that can that can become a problem because I, I just even now even this weekend I wouldn't be sure I can't believe he's come out and said we need to win one out of three games to make sure we get third even now and I look, I know you know we're not going to win the title but even now as a manager he should be saying to his team make Chelsea or Man you win it basically mm. you know don't hand it to them because the fact is if Man you you know to guarantee finishing ahead of us Man you still need four points. And Chelsea still need one win, basically, which they're likely to get. But the longer they don't get it, the more worried they get. And there are only three games left. Mm. And so, you know, we could still, theoretically, win the title by three clear points. You know, <laughs> I know it's not, I know it's not going to happen. But but you've seen teams go on nightmare runs. Yeah. You know, you could you could see. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you could see Chelsea drawing against Stoke, losing at Liverpool, and suddenly they need to win on the final day. You know, and who, and you know, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's a mentality and it's a, it's a thought process, and sure. and that's what I don't, I that's what I can't. We're not. We're, would Fergie have ever done that? Would Fergie have just come out after Tottenham and gone, it's over, without any hint of mind games, without any, you know, no, of course not, and I can't understand that. All right, well, we'll we'll move on from from Arsene and. Uh... 
and, and what's happened because it's it's quite depressing really because I think especially as as most people were were very positive about the season and like you say the way we had we had performed um to to put in that kind of a performance was yeah baffling um we 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 go every week on this podcast and we talk about uh, the goalkeeping situation at Arsenal Lukas Fabianski another clangor which has cost us points and ultimately uh, has contributed us uh, to us losing a game uh why do we play him because surely at this point it has been or it's become quite clear that when he plays he can't handle the pressure and he makes mistakes and mistakes which which cost goals would we not be better even if Manone is not the long-term uh number one or or whether he has any chance or not would we not be better playing the young guy and at least giving him some experience and cutting our losses with Fabianski altogether I'm not sure about that because I, I mean, for me, with all due respect to Vitor Minoni, I, I can't ever see him being Arsenal. No, me, me neither. I'm not saying that. But my my point and is, I, is I, I don't think, and I think if you look at it, he makes mistakes as well. Like he does. Yeah, but not like that. Um, not quite like that. Give him, give him a couple of games. And then, but uh, no, I, I, what what I, I couldn't believe that unless Manuel Almunia really did have a wrist injury, and frankly, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think he did. Um, I think it, you know it's so telling when his comments. Um, the day before, you know, in the press conference about his first choice, and then suddenly he's got a wrist injury, which, which you know, you, you swap your goalkeepers around, you know, you know, on the last day of the season when you're in mid-table. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Theocrity and, and nothing's going to happen. You don't do it when you have this chance, and that, that was all part of it. And, you know, you, neither of them, none of them are up to it, frankly, if we're, if we're, if we're brutally honest. Um, mm. None of the three of them are up to it. But at least Almunia had some semblance of form and... And so, you know, unless he really was injured, which I ever said about, I, I couldn't understand what he was doing. I think in the summer, you know, you don't have to, a goalkeeping is different to, to back four. Back four, you need to build a unit and you need some continuation. You never bring in a new left back, right back and two centre backs in the summer. Goal, you only play one goalkeeper. So I think we need to get Almunia out. I think we need to get uh, Fabianski out and probably get Maloney out as well and get completely new goalkeepers. And I don't, there doesn't need to be a fixation with youth either. No. no reason why you need, you know, no reason why you need to play goalkeepers in their twenties, in their early, in their mid twenties, early twenties. You know, no need. Goalkeepers are best, quite obviously, in their late twenties into their thirties. Um, so what, what, you know, why are we, why are we playing? You know, Fabianski's got twenty four, Maloney's twenty one. No need. Um, all right. Well, we, I suppose that's a, a topic that we'll revisit as the the summer progresses. Um, 
Let's talk about the game of the weekend. Manchester City, uh, you've already mentioned they've, they've beaten us twice this season. Uh, we don't want that again. Spurs are there or thereabouts. And if we don't beat Man City or if we lose to Man City and Spurs win, it all starts getting a little bit tight, uh, much tighter than we'd like for uh, for third spot. Obviously, there's uh, a lot at stake from a football point of view. Uh, and the team really has to make amends for the Wigan performance. They do. They do. And, you know, I suppose, you know, to be perfectly frank, obviously it's Adam Bale coming back and I couldn't give a toss, to be perfectly honest. You know, I don't watch Arsenal to, to go and win league titles, not to have a go at Emmanuel Adam Bale, you know, however repulsive he may be. And I think there needs to be a real, real response, I think, a proper a proper response. Um, I hope there is. If there isn't, I can see a lot of the old frustrations felt by a lot of the crowd last season kind of coming out again, you know, which would be sad to see after a really positive season on the whole. So there has to be, there has to be a response. Um, simple as that, basically. Okay, we better leave it there. Fingers crossed we get that from the boys this weekend. Good player. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers to Good Player. You can check out his blog at www.goodplayer.com. Still to come, we'll be looking ahead to the Manchester City game, uh, the return of some former gunners. Some will be most welcome indeed. Others, not quite so much. Uh, as well as that, we'll be finding out quite why Lucas Fabianski makes so many mistakes. Right now, though, Sylvester. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. Oh, what a terrible week I've had. It started so well, I scored against Wigan, everybody is so happy and laughing and rubbing me, I like that. But then we went on and lost the game, I was heartbroken. I came into the dressing room afterwards and I look at Lucas Fabianski and I look at him, I say, you, you make me sick, I hate you, how could you? I mean, if anybody in this team should go around dropping their balls on a black man's head, it's me! Oh, baby! Hopefully we'll have more Sylvester on the Arscast before we have more Sylvester in the Arsenal first team. However, lack of options means he's probably going to play tomorrow against Manchester City. I'm just having a little weep to myself here. Don't mind me. Another man who hardly covered himself in glory was Lukas Fabianski, who, for about the 19th game in a row, made a horrendous mistake which cost us a goal. Seems to be a bit of a pattern forming here. Quite difficult to spot, I know, but it seems to be that when he plays, he's terrible. Maybe there's more to it, though. Maybe... Us lay people, non-football people, maybe we're missing something. So I've asked our scientific friend, Professor Godfrey Twachloch, uh, to look at why it is that Lucas Fabianski has made all these mistakes. Professor Godfrey, welcome back to the Arscast. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be back, as always. So uh, you've had all the evidence, you've looked into it. Uh, why does Lucas Fabianski keep making these mistakes? Well, of all the tasks that you have assigned to us down these recent months, this has certainly been the most challenging. What we had to do was look at all the great goalkeepers of the past, for example, Lev Yashin, Dino Zoff, Gordon Banks, Sepp Meyer, Zubi Zaretta, and we blended that with some of the modern greats like Casillas, 
Buffon and Celario. Then what we did was we looked at all the attributes that make up a good goalkeeper. So, for example, we have shot saved, reflexes, the timing, the command of the penalty area, when a goalkeeper catches and when he punches, his kicking, his diving, the height and speed at which he dives when a shot is on target. We look at the goals per game ratio that he has conceded and also we take into account the age and number of appearances that that goalkeeper has made relative to Lucas Fabianski. Then what we did, as usual, was feed all that information into a supercomputer. We let it crunch away, then went off and had a nice tasty salad. When we came back, the results were nothing short of astonishing. We discovered there's a very simple reason why all these things keep happening to Lucas Fabianski. And that reason is? Basically, it's because, well, he's shit. You just can't argue with science. Really can't. Professor Godfrey Twatchlock, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And who am I to argue with one of the greatest scientific minds of our generation? Of any generation, for that matter. I'm nobody. That's who. Manchester City game coming up this weekend. Team news that we have is not particularly good. Alex Song might be back. Might. There's no Manuel Almunia who has a wrist injury. I don't have a tumbleweed sound effect, so if you could actually just imagine a tumbleweed going through there now. When I say Manuel Almunia has a wrist injury. Well, you're doing your tumbleweed. There you go. Uh, Danielson is out as well. And someone else. There's always someone else. Andre Arshavin, yeah, he's still out, even though we were sort of half expecting to have him back. However, Robin Van Persie is available, the manager says, and you have to think that Van Persie is going to start this game because this is a game that we have to win. Not just because we need to finish third, not just because we're coming up against an old enemy, an old enemy, well, Adibai, or a relatively new enemy, as enemies go, and Manchester City aren't really an enemy yet, but I suspect they're going to be. Because if they get into fourth and into Champions League, then, you know, their spending power means they're going to be able to attract some very, very, very good players indeed. Uh, and they're going to be a, a real threat for, for seasons to come. So um, they're a threat. And I, I think we can call them an enemy now. Um, but there are some familiar and friendly faces coming back. Silvino. I love that little guy. I loved Silvino. Little wolfy fella. I loved him. Uh, but his passport was an issue, and of course he had to go. Patrick Vieira, a man who spent so many uh, years at our club, one of the best midfielders I've ever seen, that many of us have ever seen, probably one of the best midfielders ever to have played for Arsenal, and he'll be back. Colo Toure got a bit blinded by the money, but that happens when a player reaches a certain point in his career and wants to make sure... But he gave us good years and won things with us and was always fully committed to Arsenal. And then you've got Adibayor, of course. And there was the whole celebration thing. And you don't want to make too much about Adibayor because, you know, it's not really about him. Even though he is a huge, huge cunt, it's not really about him. 
And this game should be more, we should be more upbeat going into this game because we shouldn't have lost against Wigan and uh, there should be still things to play for. And as I said in the blog this week, I think the feel-good factor has gone a little bit. It really has. And uh, it's down to the players and to the manager to make sure that it comes back on Saturday. That this game is a game that we will, we all want to win. Of course, we want Arsenal to win every game, but there is the Man City game earlier in the season. There's the fact that we need to uh, consolidate third place. There's the Adebayor factor. Whether he is a, a big part of it or not, he's still a huge cunt, and you always want to see huge cunts suffer. It's like you always want to beat Chelsea just because you want to beat Chelsea. But you want to beat them even more because you want John Terry to be unhappy. You want Ashley Cole to be unhappy. Because they're huge cunts. And that's, like it or not, a part of football. Part of what motivates fans is seeing huge cunts get theirs. Especially after they've given a bit back to us. I'll be going over. I'm over for the uh, for the game. Taking the boat tomorrow morning. It's like old times. Taking the boat to Hollyhead and driving to London. We've got the Arse Blog 5-a-side tournament on Saturday morning. Green team heading over. Defending champions. They're going to try and ply us with booze on a Friday night just so we're a bit hungover. But you know Irish people. We don't like to drink. Not that much. I might have a half a shandy or two. Uh, and then we've got the Manchester City game. And I'm taking a laptop with me this weekend because, I've, I've, you know, Tom, what can you say? He is either a jinx or he's not. And this could prove it one way or the other. I don't buy it, really. I don't buy it. But if we win and I bring my laptop and Tom doesn't do the blog for the weekend, if you want to make your own mind up on that, you're entirely free uh, to do so. So fingers crossed that um, more than anything, the team gives a response um, on the pitch to what happened at Wigan because it's been very quiet from within the club. We've had no uh, no talk during the week at all. The uh, the manager's interview, which normally goes on the website on a Thursday or we get a snippet, went up very late. There's been nothing at all from either the manager or the players. And in a way, I think that's good because after a defeat like that, the last thing you want to do is listen to those guys. You don't want to hear them say, well, it didn't go our way or we need to work harder. You, know, you don't really want to hear that because you know that. It's just giving it a bit of mouth and a bit of platitudes. The way that they can make up for that Wigan game, to a certain extent, obviously not all the way. The way they could make up for it is give us all about 10 grand. I think that would, that would be worth it, but I can't see that happening. But how they make up for it properly is not talking about doing things better. It's by actually doing things better. And by going out onto the pitch uh, on Saturday afternoon and cunting Manchester City right in their cunts. And that's how you do it. And that's how you rebuild some of the feel-good factor which has gone. It's, an, uh, it's a hugely important game for our season and to ensure that the season that has been quite positive up till now remains that way until the end. And we can look at it as a bit of progress with some building to do in the summer and hopefully uh, the manager will do that. So we need the players to perform. We need the manager to motivate the players to perform. And that's the bottom line for Man City. So um, that's about it for this week. Uh, take it all very easy yourselves. Have a good weekend. I'll see some of you for beers. Half Shandy's on the Friday. That's it. Maybe 
maybe a baby sham if I'm really uh, pushing the boat out. Uh, what can I say? Have a great weekend. Talk to you all next week on the blog and, of course, on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Welcome to Tales of the Unexpected on the Ozblog Ozcast. Hello, my name is George, and I've got another tale of the unexpected for you. This week has been quite an unproductive week, I have to say. That old volcano caused havoc. Couldn't get me tarmac supplies in. International commerce has come to a halt. People are stuck here, there and everywhere. And it could all have been so different if they just listened to me. Many thousands of years ago, there was a volcano in the middle of Ireland called Mount Tyg, and it spewed out its stuff for ages. People were so pissed off, you'd step outside the front door and go, Ah, oh, Jesus, I'm after burning me feet off with the lava. It wasn't until my people discovered the cure for volcanoes that life got back to normal. And that cure was dolphins. That's right. All you need to do is get a load of dolphins and stick them in the top of the volcano. There's a bit of spluttering and melting and scrunching around, and then it's out. Now, I went to the International Aviation Authority and told them this, but they said, now, get out of here, you're mental. The only one who listened to me was Michael O'Leary from Ryanair. Unfortunately now, though, he's got a cargo ship full of thousands of dolphins and nowhere to put them. I won't be a problem, though. I think we'll have a Japanese party one night, get the old Olympic-sized swimming pool, and get in and spear those cunts to death. Hilarious, here. Anyway, the other thing this week was I went to see a game of football, and there was this Polish fella in goal called Lucas, and he played the whole 90 minutes without making a mistake, such as throwing the ball in his own net or dropping the ball on the head of a stupid centre-half to let another team back in. I mean, that was... What's more than unexpected? Well, whatever that is, that's what it was. To me. (laughs) 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.